new birth, there's hunger in every Christian. A very important thing in the manifestations of the Spirit in this itself is a blessing. You don't really need to look for hunger, you need to manage it. Holy Ghost, who is the power of God, there is no healing, it's not possible. And there is no good works. That's what it is. Enjoy health if you are not obedient to the Holy Ghost. There is no healing as demanding as the change of the corruptible to incorruptible. The Word of God is a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your path. Be blessed today as God's servant, Reverend Peter Ayo Alabi, brings you God's Word. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Say after me, say, Father, I know your presence is here. And I acknowledge your presence manifest here tonight. Say in the name of Jesus, my heart is open to receive your word upon good ground. Say my spirit is open to cooperate with the Holy Spirit in all his operations and all that he wants to do in this meeting tonight. Thank you, Jesus, in Jesus' name. Say loud amen, somebody. Say after me, say what he has done for others, he's doing for me. Say, and greater things shall we see, and all the glory, say, and all the glory be to our good, good God. Shout amen, somebody. Glory to Jesus. Amen. That same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. He dwells in me. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. He dwells in me. Sing it again, that same spirit. The same spirit Romans 8, 11. that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Eight eleven. I've told you, is not primarily a healing scripture. It's talking about what the Holy Ghost will do at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's actually a scripture that tells you of your assurance of rapture. Not just rapture, the assurance of your salvation. He said, if the Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies. Did you see? 
the coming of Jesus, the Holy Ghost will change our body to be supernatural, to be immortal, to be incorruptible. Are you hearing this? But listen to this. If he can change this body completely to become incorruptible, then he can also fix this body if he breaks down. He can quicken the organs that die. He can repair things. He is the one who caused that toenail to grow again. So fast. Hallelujah. So is that spirit in you right now? Is he right now in you? Glory. Somebody say he's quickening me. Glory. Oh, he shall quicken, he shall quicken. Oh, my mother body. Oh, by his spirit that dwells in me. Oh, he shall quicken, he shall quicken. My mother body. Yeah, by his spirit that dwells in me. He quickens, he quickens. My body. Put your hand on your body. Oh, yes, by his spirit that dwells in me. Oh, he quickens, he quickens my mortal body. Oh, by his spirit that dwells in me. That same spirit. Oh, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. In me. That same spirit, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. He dwells in me. Oh, he quickens, he quickens my body. Oh, by his spirit, oh, dwells in me. By his spirit, he quickens, quickens. My mother body, by his spirit, can we modulate? The same spirit that raised us from the dead dwells in me. It dwells in me. Oh, the same spirit. That raised Christ from the dead, he dwells in me. He dwells in me, he dwells in me. Oh, he shall quicken. He shall quicken. Yeah. My body. By his spirit. By his spirit. Yeah. In me. Oh, he shall quicken. He shall quicken. Yeah. My mother body. Listen to me. All right, listen to me. In first John, he says, The world does not know that we are just like Jesus now. Did you see that we are sons of God? Because they did not know when Jesus was here. He said it does not yet appear. And then he says, Everyone who is looking forward to the coming of Jesus, he keeps himself pure. The expectation of the coming of Christ itself, there is a way it sanctifies you. Come on, did somebody hear what I'm saying? Yes, sir. So that this song is a two-edged song. Are you hearing me now? Glory to God. This song is a two-edged song. So we can sing it in the present, continuous, as part the Holy Ghost healing our bodies, the power of God healing our bodies. We can also sing it futuristic with respect to the hope of the coming of Jesus Christ. And truly, it purifies your hearts. It purifies your emotions. 
because we're looking forward to the coming of Jesus Christ. Is anybody expecting Jesus? And we are not expecting Jesus with fear. We are expecting him with certainty because the Holy Ghost is in us. He is the seal of our salvation. We know that when he comes, we will be changed to be exactly the way he is in his physical body. Are you excited about that? He shall bring my mind and body yeah. by his spirit. God dwells in me. He shall bring my mind and body. Play according to the name. Oh, that same spirit, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Does, does it live in you? It dwells in me. That same spirit, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in me. Oh, he dwells in me. Oh, he shall quicken. He shall quicken. My mother body, yeah, by his spirit, that dwells in me, oh, he shall quit he shall quit my mother body, by his spirit, that dwells in me, hallelujah, I thought you were going to shout, glory to God, amen. Be seated, hallelujah. Glory to Jesus. He shall quicken our mortal bodies. And he quickens it now. You see? Because if he can if he can raise this body from corruptible to incorruptible, from mortal to immortal. And you know, Paul describes how he's going to do it in 1 Corinthians 15. He say, and then also in 1 Thessalonians 5, he says he's going to do it in the twinkling of an eye. In other words, faster than you can blink. Can you imagine that? So faster than you can blink, this body will change to incorruptible at the coming of Jesus Christ. That tells you the rate at which the power of the Holy Ghost can work. There is no healing that is that demanding. None. I, I hope you get what I'm saying. There is no healing as demanding as the change of the corruptible to incorruptible. No healing is that demand. No healing requires that much intensity of power and manifestation. None. Yet, the Holy Ghost will get that done in the twinkling of an eye, just like that. So it means the Holy Ghost can, uh, and you know when we say the Holy Ghost now, you need to understand He is the power of God. The Holy Ghost is the power of God. You know, in, in Paul's epistle, in his writing to the Ephesians, when he begins to describe the power of God um, that raised Christ from the dead, and or better still, the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, Ephesians 1.19, that you may know what is the exceeding greatness of His power to us one who believe, According to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead. So he says the resurrection of Christ was by power. 
you know, when he was writing to the Romans in Romans 1, Paul said the same thing. He said that Christ Jesus was uh, born of, the, of David, the seed of David in the flesh, according to the flesh. That is this natural descent. He says, but declared to be the son of God with power. Did you see that? Um, by the resurrection of the dead. So he tells you that the resurrection of Christ required power. But in Romans 6, 4, the, uh, the, the Holy Ghost inspiring Apostle Paul said, do you see that like Christ was, like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we should also walk in newness of life. So now in Romans 6, 4, he describes it as the glory of the Father. So now what he's talking again here is the resurrection of Christ. That like as Christ was raised, did you see that now, from the dead by the glory of the Father, in Ephesians 1.19, in Romans 1, he has already tells us, uh, told us rather, he already tells us that he was raised by power. He took power. But he describes that power as glory of the Father. Did you see? But now in Romans 8.11, he tells us the personality that he has been using all those things to describe. And he says, if the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken or vitalize your mortal body. So now what he is showing us there is this, that look, the person I've been calling power, the person I described as the glory of the Father is the Holy Spirit. And truly you know the Holy Ghost is the power of God. Acts 1.8, Jesus said, ye shall receive power after that, that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and then you shall be witnesses of me in Jerusalem, in Judea, in Samaria, and to the uttermost part of the earth. So notice that the Holy Ghost is actually God's power. Did you see that now? Is the, is the power of God uh, in demonstration. In Acts 10, 38, Peter also, preaching the house of Cornelius, makes that clear. He said, our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. And what that means is with the Holy Ghost, which is the power. That's why he did no miracle until the Holy Ghost came upon him. Do you understand that? So as the Holy Ghost came upon him, then he was able to you see, and that's why Peter summarized there and said, Our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and power. Then, as a result of that, he went about doing good and healing. So, without the Holy Ghost, who is the power of God, there is no healing. It's not possible. And there is no good works. That's what it implies. So, the good Jesus went about doing and the healing that Jesus went about doing was by the power of the Holy Ghost or by the power which is the Holy Ghost. Do you understand that? And that's why when they accused him and said he was, uh, the Pharisees came and said Jesus was casting out devils by demons. And he said, he said, come on now. He said, how can demons cast out demons? A house divided against itself shall not stand. He said, but if I, by the finger of God, cast out devils, he said, then the kingdom of God is come unto you. And you see, when the kingdom comes, the, the way kingdom is established is by power. Do you see that now? So the Holy Ghost is the power of God, do you see, in manifestation. That's why we talk of the gifts of the Spirit. They are the expressions of the Holy Ghost. I've explained that to you. The, the gift is what the Father gave us, and the gift is the Holy Ghost himself. So all those nine, as we call them, nine gifts, they are gifts truly, but they are simply gifts in the Spirit, that anyone who has the Holy Ghost can demonstrate them. So that when I manifest word of wisdom, I have given you the gift of the word of wisdom. Not that I gave you the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost that is in me is gifting you, is blessing you with that expression. Are you getting it now? So, yes, it's okay to call it the gift of word of knowledge. But understand how it is a gift of word of knowledge, who it is a gift of word of knowledge, gift of word of knowledge, when you use it to bless somebody. 
God did not really give gift of word of knowledge to anybody. He gave the Holy Ghost to somebody, to everybody, to all believers. So when we demonstrate the Spirit, we demonstrate Him sometimes as word of knowledge, as word of wisdom. Do you see that? As discerning of spirits. Did you see this? And that's why it says the manifestation of the Spirit is given to profit with all. That profit there means to, for the advantage. So if I give a word of knowledge to you now, I have given you an advantage. Because I have brought knowledge to you that you couldn't have known you know, by yourself. Do you see what I'm saying? When I bring a word of wisdom to you, I've also blessed you. Did you see? And it's a gift to you. Did you see what I'm saying now? So you can describe the Holy Ghost as the gift that keeps on giving. And this is the understanding you need to have because otherwise you will probably feel you have some of the gifts of the Spirit and you don't have others. But that's, that's, that's not possible in the Bible. All right? It's not possible because all those nine, we call them nine gifts, but truly they are the manifestations of the same Spirit. That's why Paul saying self-same Spirit. Self-same. So it's just some grammatical issues with King James most times. That is the confusion. And when you read everything properly, holistically, you understand what I'm saying. I'm trying to summarize something very serious to you now. Are you getting this now? Because if you have the Holy Ghost, you, have, you can't possibly have uh, a bio of me now and you don't have all these expressions. But you know that even though you live with him, there are people who have known him all their life, but they have not seen all his expressions yet. So you can imagine somebody saying that, uh, let's say a bio of me has about 12 qualities. Now somebody saying that uh, maybe when he marries now, you know, two become one. And his wife is living with him, and she now says, I have three manifestations of Abayomi. I'm praying for the remaining four. She doesn't need to pray for the remaining four. She just needs to know him better so that she can see those other expressions of him. That's the same way it is with the Holy Ghost. You don't need to pray for more of the gifts of the Spirit. You already have everything in you because they are the expressions of a person. It is the Holy Ghost that will demonstrate itself, uh, you know, in the capacity of what the all-knowing one, word of knowledge, word of wisdom. You see that designing of spirits. That's why we call them, you know, they are what? Revelation. The revelation is about knowledge. That's what revelation is. Then power also. Power gives healings, working on miracles, special faith. Still the same Holy Ghost. And then you have the vocal gifts or inspiration gifts or utterance gifts. Three different names are called now. All correct. Utterance, vocal inspiration, all right? And that is tongues, interpretation of tongues, and what? And prophecy. Did you see that? It's the same Holy Ghost. It's the same Holy Ghost. Someone probably will say, oh, you know, I have three out of out of nine. Hey, one third. <laughs> I say, I have, I have six out of nine, two thirds, you know? And the Holy Ghost will just be looking at you and saying, but you have me, all right? Just yield. That's, that's all. And that's why you notice in your Christian life, some of you, even before you ever had any teaching on the gifts of the Spirit, after you received Jesus, you, you found yourself manifesting in all of those things. And then maybe when you now began to hear teaching, you now began to understand, ah, but I've done this thing before. Oh, this is what it is called. And that's, that's because, you see, he is in you already. You get what I'm saying? Even before you had proper knowledge of what all these things are, you'd be manifesting in them. You see, but you will see more of those manifestations. One of the major things that will bring those manifestations is desire. As I suppose, saying, covet earnestly. 
You know, to, that, that word covet is not a bad word in this context. All right? It just means to have a strong desire. Truly, hunger is a very important thing in the manifestations of the spirit, in the supernatural. All right? You must be hungry. And hunger itself is a blessing. Spiritual hunger is a blessing. If you are not hungry for the supernatural, you need healing. This is what I'm saying. You need healing. There has to be hunger. Do you notice the Lord Jesus himself was very hungry for the, for the supernatural? I mean, that's why the Bible says when in John 2, when he saw people buying and selling in the temple, the Bible says he went overturned their tables, you know, made a weapon. You know, I know why I was doing that. There's zeal. I would say he looked at the multitude, they were like sheep without shepherd, and he was moved with compassion for them. At the age of 12, in Luke chapter 2, he was found in the synagogue, you know, asking questions, you know, and interacting with the scribes and the Pharisees and all that. That's hunger. This is what I'm saying. There's a zeal that must be in a believer. It must be there. Now, you were born with that zeal at the new birth. It's there. I tell you, what differs in between one Christian to another is what you have exposed yourself to and what you have committed yourself to. There are things that will kill spiritual hunger and there are things that will make it grow stronger in you. So you don't really need to look for hunger. You need to manage it. You were born like that. You were born like that. At the new birth, there's hunger in every Christian. Hunger for God. Some of you probably remember how hungry you were for God when you first got saved. You were so hungry for God, you could probably, if they allowed you, you could sleep in church every day and just be in services. You didn't want church to end. You wanted to just go out and preach the gospel and lead men to Christ. You just want to do all those kinds of things. Blessed are you if you can still keep that hunger. Because many lose it. Not that the hunger is no longer there, but they've killed it. They've stifled it. <laughs> they stifled the whole thing. You see what I'm saying? But you've got to keep it. You've got to manage it. So when I say manage it, meaning it's all in your hands. It's all in your hands. You don't continue to expose yourself to things that continue to dull and numb your hunger for the things of God. You know, that voracious appetite you had to read the Bible. You know, that, that passion for prayer. Where, where has it gone to? Some things have put it to sleep. You need to expose yourself to things that will wake it up again. And you have to continue to service it. To make sure that hunger is getting stronger and stronger and stronger and stronger. You know, some of you, as I'm talking to you now, you are probably trying to play back in your mind. Some people cannot even remember very well again whenever, whenever they were hungry. For the things of God. They can just say, well, I think I was hungry at some point, but they've grown so numb. <laughs> this is what I'm saying now. They've grown so numb. You know, that hunger, you have to make sure you're finding it. Let it keep burning. Let it keep burning. Let it keep burning. Because there are things that will put that hunger to sleep in your life. Too much natural things of pleasure. Too much of natural things of pleasure. And if, when you are given to too much pleasure, it's going to numb your spiritual hunger. It's going to numb your spiritual hunger. Because your flesh, now I didn't say the flesh, your own flesh, that's your natural desires. Alright? 
they cannot be satisfied, you know, so much, or let me use the word indulged, and at the same time, you still hope to satisfy the hungers of the spirit. It's not possible. So you cannot indulge your flesh and satisfy the spirit at the same time. It's not possible. You cannot indulge your flesh. Notice I didn't say the flesh. The flesh is different from your flesh. I've explained that many times. All right? Your flesh now, your natural desires, your natural cravings, let me even tell you, all of which are right. It is actually how you satisfy them that matters. Your desire for sleep is right. Some of you are feeling sleepy now. If I punch your face, because you are leaders, if I punch you, the way you wake up, you may not sleep for the next one week. So better just stay awake now by the Holy Ghost. All right, so it's a good desire. It's a righteous desire. This is what I'm saying. Now. When I came in here earlier this morning, to have, when we had, we had a leader's prayer meeting, so then as I came in here, like this, sleep began to worry me. Because I really didn't sleep through the night. I was waking up at the intervals to pray. You know, just, I was having visions. I come out of visions and pray. You know. So, the sleep came. I said, what kind of sleep is this? This sleep didn't disturb me from leaving home. And I got to the place where I was going. I got to say, you know something? The passion, the passion will drive you. You won't know that the sleep is there. Until you now, when you have achieved what you want to achieve, that is to arrive at the, at the service or at the prayer meeting, you know, that passion has really gone and at least has satisfied what you, what was driving you. So, the sleep now, descend there. I say, God, punish this sleep. <laughs> so, I began to, you get what I'm saying? So, it's a right choice thing to want to sleep. Okay? Another thing is your desire for food. It's, I mean, there is not a sin. In fact, in, in the scripture, Bible says, if a person steals and he stole because he was hungry, they should leave him alone. <laughs> you know? So there's, there's such, you know, desire for sex is another. I know you were waiting for me to say it. All right? It's, it's, a, it's a good desire to, to, have, to want to have sex. It's a good desire. I don't know why you're all now pretending. <laughs> when I said food, sleep, everything was normal. Now, I mentioned sex. Now, all of you are now trying to act like you don't have it. You have it. <laughs> you all have the desire for it. But you know, you can only satisfy it within marriage. Say marriage. Uh-huh. But you know that even in marriage, you must still temper your desire for sex, even in marriage. Yes. Otherwise, sex is the only thing you will do with your life. And you will be broke. <laughs> and then you will not have many children. <laughs> so, you, people like that, they are rich in children. <laughs> but they are poor in riches. You can imagine that. <laughs> there are plenty of children all over the place because that's the only thing they know how to do. You know, you, can, you shouldn't do that. And you know, the same way with your natural cravings. You can, just as it is within your spiritual hunger, you can manage your cravings too. You can manage your cravings. Those of you who are still single now, you know, you shouldn't be exposing yourself to anything sexually explicit or even implicit. You can't be a single Christian and they are, they are showing scenes of sex and everything and you, and you just leave it there and say it will soon pass away. No, everything has to pass away, but it will take time. So let me tell you. <laughs> 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 so, you who is a Christian brother and a Christian sister, when they are showing sex scenes, you should literally skip it. And any movie that has too much of sexual whatever, don't watch it at all. Because you will be waking up something you are not ready to attend to. Some of the sexual struggles some Christians have is caused by themselves. 
You're watching, watching, watching. You are the one that all the music you listen to, it has to do with sex, sex, sex. Off your clothes, remove your shoe, hang your leg, throw it up. All those kind of crazy things. And they are all your song playlist is filled with those kind of things. They are wondering, why am I struggling with sex? Even sex is surprised you are str- you are, that you are complaining. <laughs> And then those of you who are now married too, you're not saying, I don't really feel like having sex with my husband. You are not exposing yourself to what you should I'm not saying you should watch blue film. When you get married, go and start reading books. There are Christian books about sex. Read them. When you get married, read them. Like wake up that hunger that you have been fasting away. You wake it up to the point where your husband will be saying, Dad, save me from my wife. Mom, what can you help me do? Mom, please talk to my wife. Tell her to start fasting because the way she's doing, that's the way it should be. <laughs> so you should know when to make it sleep and when to do what? To wake it up. And that's the same thing with your spiritual stuff. But as righteous as all those desires are, even when you're married, where sex is concerned, if you overindulge yourself in sex as a couple, it may begin to affect your hunger for the things of the spirit. Yes. Anything you do out of moderation. Philippians 4, 5 says, let your moderation be known unto, did you see, all men, for the Lord is at hand. Philippians 4, 5. So, once something goes out of moderation, you can be sure there is a backlash somewhere. And that backlash is majorly on your spiritual hunger. You cannot indulge the flesh and still satisfy the desires of the spirit. It's not possible. So anything that is a natural desire, natural, you know, enjoyment or whatever, must be done moderately. It must be done moderately. It must be done, mod- eat moderately, sleep moderately, all right? If you are married, have sex moderately. If you are, you know, whatever you do that is natural must be done moderately. You know, the only thing that can never be too much is prayer. And the word can't be too much. And it's, there's a simple logic behind that. Because that is a realm where there is no impurity. But the things of the flesh that are physical, that satisfy the flesh, a lot of things can hijack it and mess it up and, and all that. Do you see what I'm saying? As I, you've heard stories of people who prayed 36 hours nonstop. You know, people who have very crazy prayer schedules. And they didn't get bad for it. They didn't get worse for it. They got better for it. But you imagine, eat for 24 hours nonstop. <laughs> Let's not think of the other ones. <laughs> Any of those other things, God forbid, if you sleep for 10 hours, even 10 hours, your family members, your housemates will begin to worry and say, oh God, I hope you are still alive. <laughs> now imagine if the person says he wants to sleep for 24 hours every day. You know, it's as good as people say, just die. <laughs> Unless you are no longer alive. You get what I'm saying now? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Yeah. Or you're not married now. Your wife say, look, now that we are married, I've been waiting all my life. You are the one I've been waiting for. Now I found you. From the day that I found you, yeah. I, I, do you know that song? <laughs> are you born again? <laughs> and then you're not married like this. And you know, I say, look, I've stopped and I've fasted this thing. It's time to break this fast. And now, on your schedule, every day is eight, eight hours. <laughs> you know, you know, 
don't even need, you just, just say, Dad, it's not cuckoo long ago. We believe this man. Can you help us unjoin us? <laughs> <laughs> so that I can still use this my life to some God. <laughs> and fulfill my ministry. You know what I'm saying? That? So can you imagine as good as all those things are in their right context, if you overdo them, it's even scary to think of it. But in comparison to things like prayer, in comparison to things like the word, you see, of course, it's not as if we, you can't pray 24 hours every day. You can't even pray six hours every day. If you still, if I, if you, if you pray six hours every day, then even if you are on full time, because what are you now on full time for? The remaining part of the work of ministry, when will you have time to do it? Not to not talk of you that you are working. So you wake up every day, you pray six hours. When will you arrive at work? <laughs> they will just tell you, Kuku be doing prayer works. <laughs> <laughs> just be doing prayer works and at the end of the month collect your salary from the gates of heaven you get what I'm saying <laughs> do you see what I'm saying you know so but you must understand it that prayer is the, is the one thing and the word is also the one thing that you must do daily without fail that doesn't have side effects it doesn't have any side effects the word of God has no side effects. Prayer does not have side effects. Just keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. There is nothing else that you should do as consistently as the things of the Spirit. Nothing else. Notice I said that you should do, not that you can do. You can do them, but you shouldn't. Because if you do them excessively, the side effects are terrible. Are you getting me? But you pray. Stealing the word, confessing the word daily, consistently. And then, like I said, of course, even that one, you know, there's still some level of moderation to it because of the other things that you still do in life. And that's why you see the measure of your prayer life, the measure of your devotion with the Lord should be commensurate to what life requires of you. Many people, the problem is that their prayer life, their spiritual life is not sufficient to power their lives. I'll say it again. Many Christians, the problem is that their devotion, the spiritual activity, the level of spiritual activity in their life is not sufficient to power their life. It's not sufficient. It's like you want to power, you want to put on the generator. You need fuel. You should know how much fuel you need to turn the gen on for eight hours, to keep it on for 10 hours, to keep it on for 18 hours. You see, if you don't have that much fuel, it means that once that fuel runs out, the gen will stop working. That's why many people's lives is not working. Because the spiritual activity, the level of spiritual activity in their lives cannot meet up to what their life needs to run. And if you are sensitive as a believer, you will know when your spiritual level is too low for the demands of your life. One of the ways you will know that it is low is that your life is now like on autopilot. You are just cruising. There's no, there's no forward motion. You are just there. You are drifting. You are not even... Because it's impossible to stand on the same spot. It's not possible. If you are not going forward, you start going back. Or you start going down. It's one of those two directions. If you are not moving forward, it's either you start drifting backwards or you start going downwards. This is what I'm saying. And once you notice that, it usually starts with feel, that feeling of drifting. Like you just feel like you are not really moving in a specific, definite direction. It's like as if... You are no longer really in control. You know, things just happen anyhow. Your activity is not enough to power your life. And what you need to do is pick it up. 
Pick it up. Pick it up sharply. Pick up your time in the word. Pick up your time in prayer. Pick up your time in singing. You know, I, I did a series earlier in the year on uh, how to develop a strong spirit. That was like February or so. And let me tell you something. It's very important. You see, one of the things I said, which I want to emphasize amongst others, of course, you know, prayer, the word. One of the things I mentioned is worshiping God strengthens you. When you minister to the Lord, boy, it strengthens your spirit. Let me tell you why it strengthens your spirit. Because ministering to the Lord will open your spirit up. <laughs> it will open your spirit up to God. And God, you see, when your spirit is open to God, it's not as if you are now showing God what God didn't know. It's like you are now allowing God to fix what he had always seen that was wrong in your life. So when you open your spirit to him, you are giving him allowance to do what is on his mind for you. And he fixes you, gets you. You know, that's why it's good to, and when I say, that's why I said ministry to the Lord, I'm not talking about, you know, people are funny these days. They, they, what many call worship is not worship at all. They, they, what they call worship is dancing or singing, singing or dancing to their favorite songs. That's not worship. Worship is to sing what God wants to hear. Worship is to just bless the Lord. You know, worship is not when blessings go up, uh, sorry, when praises go up, blessings come down. That's not worship. That's transaction. You get what I'm saying now? So that's transaction. That one is not ministry to the Lord. You cannot get anything serious from that one. That one, if you do it, you'll be exhausted when you finish. You'll even be weaker than when you came, before you came. But if you want to develop a stronger spirit, you want to be strengthened in your spirit, you minister to the Lord. And that's where you go before the Lord and you are just there. waiting. If I, you are so much in awe that you can't sing a song by yourself. You are waiting for the Holy Ghost to tell you what to sing. And then when you sing that one, you are waiting for him to tell you you have sang it enough. Sing another one again. It's not the one that you stop singing just because you feel, I've been singing it, my mouth is praying me. No! You keep singing it because it is not you who is getting the pleasure. So if the person you are singing it to says he still wants to hear it, then keep on singing it. So minister the Lord is like you are a cassette player or a CD player on repeat until the one listening says, I want to change to the next track. So all those other people just come and say, ah, you think there is something that makes me come into your presence, my help. That is not ministering to the Lord, though. <laughs> Some things are cantaquerously stupid. How does that one now, for example, become worship to the Lord? You want to dance on Bangolo? How? I don't understand it. <laughs> do you finish singing that one? You know, I say, I'm strengthened. Where? Who is strength? You will need strength, even physical strength, when you are done. But by the time you dance on Bangolo, everything will be in you. You will need healing. <laughs> Apology to the person who sang the song, bro. I don't even... <laughs> but when you minister to the Lord, your spirit man opens to him. You see, the psalmist saying, I wake my soul and with the psaltery, I wake my soul. I wake my soul. Because he knows something is asleep. He wants to wake it up again. Because when that thing wakes up, deep will begin to call unto deep. 
people begin to call unto deep. Then you see the greater one on the inside. He rises up there. <laughs> the reborn spirit takes a stand of victory. You see, there's a victory stand in your spirit. There's a victory stand in your spirit. Only your reborn spirit can stand there. Your soul can't stand there. It's not fitting for the soul. Oh, it is for the reborn spirit in Christ. That stand was made for him. It was custom built to fit him. Fit for fits. His feet stands in it. And it stands shoulder high than the flesh than the emotions and there he speaks from the right hand of the father demons obey him from there every element in life they obey him from there take that stand let the reborn spirit take his victory stand glory to god that's a psalm that's a psalm <laughs> i'm glad you were sensitive to notice that that's a psalm there is a victory stand there is a victory stand only your reborn spirit can stand in it your emotions can't stand there. It's not fitting for your soul. It's not fitting for your emotions. It was custom built for your reborn spirit. Fit for fit. Fit F E T for fit. F I T. <laughs> when he gets in there, it's his fit perfectly. From that point, when he speaks, demons obey him. Angels do his bidding. The elements in nature. The answer to him from that point. Oh, but when the reborn spirit is weak, he can't stand there. And that's your job. Expose your spirit man to what will strengthen him. You see, let your spirit man eat just like your physical body eats. Allow him to eat. Allow him to eat. Allow him to eat. Let him, let him suck at the breast of the spirit. Higher. Let the reborn spirit, let him suck at the breast of the spirit. Because all that he needs for nourishment is right there. In that place of praying in the spirit. In that place of reading the word, listening to the teachings of God's word. In that place of confessions and meditation. Your spirit man is put to the breast of the spirit. And he's sucking in. Hallelujah. He's sucking in life. Divine life and energy. Glory to God. Glory to God. See, when that reborn spirit takes that stand. Your life is powered. Your life is powered. Then you recover from that drifting. And you get back in the driver's seat. And your life begins to move with purpose again. Move with precision again. That is the way God designed our lives to be. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Somebody say, I'm a new man. Say, I'm a new creation. Say, all things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you. Lift your hands and thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You are the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Minister to the Lord, come on. You are the Lord that He let me. You are the Lord that He let me. You are the Lord that He let me. 
that he left me. He's going to heal your soul. You are the Lord that he led me. You are the Lord that he led me. Simple song. You are the Lord. You are the Lord. God, He led me. Oh, you are the Lord. God, He led me. Oh, you are the Lord. God, He led me. God, That quickens me. That quickens me. That quickens me. Oh Lord, you are the Lord. That quickens me. Oh, you are the Lord. That quickens me. That Thank you, Lord Jesus. He said that you'll be strengthened with might by his spirit in the inner man. Colossians 1:11. Strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all long suffering with joyfulness. Giving thanks unto the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. When the Spirit is strengthened, He can partake of what it is. He partakes in the dominion of the saints, <laughs> in the exercise of authority. A strong Spirit, you are the Lord that quickens me. That quickens you are the Lord, you are the Lord, hey, that weakens me, that weakens me. Sing it again. You are the Lord, you are the Lord. that strengthens me, that strengthens me. Yes, you are. You are the 
Yes, you are the Lord. You are the Lord. Oh, that strengthens me. That strengthens me. Sing it again. You are the Lord. You are the Lord. That strengthens me. That strengthens me. Yes, you are. You are the Lord that strengthens me. Yes, you are the Lord. That strengthens me. That strengthens. Come on, let's sing it again. You are the Lord. That strengthens me. Yes, you are the Lord. Yes, you are the Lord. You are the Lord. You are the Lord. That strengthens me. Sing in other tongues where you are. Let's minister to the Lord. Go ahead, in other tongues. Now listen to this. You reign forever. You reign forever. I lift up my holy hands to the Lord. Holy hands. I lift up my holy hands to the Lord. Let's sing you reign forever. You reign forever. You reign forever. I lift my lift up my holy hands to the Lord. Holy hands. I lift my I lift up my holy hands to the Lord. You reign. You reign. Yeah, I live my holy hands. I live 
Now listen to this. Hey, mountains keep like us. Gates of brass caught asunder. I lift up my holy hands to you, Lord. Oh, yeah. I lift my holy hands to the Lord. Hey, I lift my holy hands. Reach your hands to it. Oh, I leave my holy hands. Oh, holy hands. Oh, Lord, I leave my holy hands to the Lord. You reign, you reign forever. Oh, God, you reign. speak in other tongues let's minister to the Lord Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Makara Baba Baba Oh, 
you reign forever. Yeah, you reign, you reign forever. You reign forever. I lift my hands, holy hands, to the Lord. Holy hands, I lift my holy hands. I lift my holy hands, I lift up my holy hands to the Lord, holy hands, I lift up my holy hands to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, yes. Go ahead, minister to him. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. He will strengthen your heart as we wait on the Lord, as we wait on the Lord, and as we wait on the Lord, oh. He will strengthen your heart as we wait on the Lord. Oh, as we wait on the Lord. Say, as I wait. And as I wait on the Lord. He shall strengthen my heart. He shall strengthen my heart. As I wait, as I wait on the Lord. As I wait on him. As I wait on the Lord. As I wait on the Lord. He shall strengthen my heart. Oh, he shall strengthen my heart. He's doing that to you right now. When we minister to the Lord, we wait on him. Then he refreshes our spirit. Some of you, your spirit is opening to the Lord. More than you have ever done. 
Yes, Kandra Mazaya Yena Malama Aha Oh, he shall strengthen my Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Put Psalm 45 on the screen from verse 6. Psalm 45. It's also in Hebrews 1, verse 9. It's from verse 7. But put it from Psalm 45. Thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thou lovest righteousness and hatest wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Glory to God. Listen to me. Thy throne, O Lord, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thy throne, O Lord, is forever and ever the scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter thou lovest righteousness and hated wickedness Therefore, Lord, thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness. You know the song? Have of thy fellows. Thou lovest righteousness. Is a song unto the Lord. And hateth we Wickedness, <laughs> he hates wickedness. Therefore, Lord, thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness above thy fellows. And then you see, when we see him, we see ourselves. And then what is true of him is true of me. So I can also sing about myself and say, I love righteousness <laughs> and I hate wickedness and I hate wickedness. And he does the same to me as he did to him. Therefore, Lord, my God has anointed me with the oil of gladness above my 
Thy throne, O God, thy throne, O Lord, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom, the scepter of thy kingdom is arise. Thy throne, O God, thy throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is arise. Ah, thou lovest, thou lovest righteousness, and you hate wickedness, and we get next. Oh, therefore, Lord, thy God hath anointed thee with the oil of gladness. I will die. Sing it by yourself. I love it. Righteousness, and I hate weakness. I hate weakness. Therefore, God, therefore, Lord, my God, I anointed me with the oil of gladness above my fellow. Do you believe that? <laughs> His throne is forever. None can compare to him. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Glory to Jesus. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. Yeah. You know, sometimes we sing a song. And that's the way I worship the Lord. I know that's the way worship should be. Sometimes God takes some other parts of his song away from you. Because he wants to hear just that part. Just a particular part. And you're singing that particular part. We're singing a song earlier on. Most high, most high. That song is not. Is more than that. But that's the only part of it I remember. And I know that's because that's what God wanted us to say. And sing unto him. He is the most high truly. And none can compare to him. None can compare to him. Our hands are always lifted to him. Hallelujah. Tala bafiowe. Taloli bafiowe. Baba mio. Tala bafiowe. Taloli Hey, 
the same song. Hey, none can compare. Hey, none can compare. None can compare. None can compare. Hey, none can compare. None can compare. 
His palms are on the side of the northern sea of the great sea. Oh, his palms are on the side of the northern sea of the great sea. Little ones, I say, great is the Lord. Greatly to be praised. In the city, oh, in the mountain, beautiful, beautiful. You are so beautiful, Lord. You are the joy of my own life. In Mount Zion, side of the northern city, Let's sing it one more time. Sing of his greatness. Great. He's so great. Oh, yes, in the city of the Lord. Oh, in the mountain of his own. He's beautiful. He's the joy of my own life. Of my own life. <laughs> hey, he's the Zion, the son of the northern sea, of the great sea. He's the Zion, the son of the northern sea, of the great sea. Sing like a great is alone. Don't get tired of singing it. And greatly to be praised in the city of the Lord. In the mountain of his holiness, you are beautiful. You are the joy of my own life. My own life. Oh God, he's my child, the sign of the northern sea of the great king. Oh, he's my child, the sign of the northern sea of the great king. There's a second stanza. You are the joy. Uh, sing it, come on. Sing it, come on. Gotta praise the Lord. Come on now. The devil cannot stop me. Glory. I'm gonna praise the Lord. Come on now. The devil can't wish up. Come on now. In my time. Come on now, everybody. The best seed of the great king. Sing out to the Lord. Come on. Are you gonna praise the Lord? I'm gonna praise the Lord. The devil stop me. I'm gonna praise the Lord. Yes, the devil cannot stop me. Hey, I'm gonna in every situation. Come on. In every situation, in Mount Zion, in Mount Zion, the side of the northern city of the Great King. Oh, yes, in Mount Zion, the side of the northern city of the Great King. Another stanza. You are my harmony. You are the melody. <laughs> Give the Lord a shout. <laughs> Listen to me. That is how to minister to the Lord. You sing unto Him. So, how many of you feel better than you were before? You feel stronger now, don't you? 
<laughs> Rejoice if you want to. Listen, did you notice we didn't pray about strength? Just minister to the Lord. Just minister to the Lord. Your spirit is open. That is what the psalmist means. Psalm 84 verse 7. They go from strength to strength. Everyone appeared before God in Zion. That is what it means. Strengthens your spirit. Strengthens your spirit. Strengthens your spirit. Now imagine you do this on your own at home. From time to time. You know. You just, you made me bring out my war chest. <laughs> those songs I was singing to you, those are my war chest. You know, mom will tell you sometimes, I just wake up, you just hear me sing, Thou lovest righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, Lord, thy God, I'm just pleased to the Lord. You don't need a keyboard to finish out to the Lord at home. Who can even play? So, <laughs> this is what I'm saying. It's, it's your spirit that is reaching out to God. It's your spirit reaching out to God. You see, thy throne, oh God, is forever. There are songs that really speak to God. They acknowledge Him for who He is. You see, God loves us singing of what He has done. You see, and, and as we do it, like Paul said to Philemon, the communication of our faith becomes effectual. Because it is when we acknowledge what He has done, who He is, that our, the communication of our faith. Notice not our faith itself, the communication of this becomes effectual. Becomes effectual. Because those are the things that are ours in Christ. God is ours. He's our inheritance. He said to Abraham, Genesis 15, he said, He said, Fear not, Abraham, for I am thy shield and I am thy exceeding great reward. Do you understand? Because in the previous chapter, Abraham had rejected the offer, the gifts that the king of Sodom gave him. So the king of Sodom wanted to give Abraham reward for the battle. Abraham said, take it. I don't want it. God saw it. Because he didn't just reject it. He said, I have lifted my hands to the Lord of heaven. So that Lord of heaven came to him and said, fear not. I am truly your shield and I am your exceeding great reward. Came to tell him that. <laughs> Do you understand? And you got to acknowledge that. So when people are, when they are sharing portions, the Lord is my portion in the land of the living. <laughs> Listen, that statement is very heavy. In the amongst the living, God is my own portion. <laughs> Do you understand what that means? Huh? <laughs> in the land of the living, God is my portion. <laughs> <laughs> in the land of the living the Lord is my portion you see Psalm 16 verse 5 6 because you know 6 is our, is our you see that he said the Lord is my cup do you see that now he said the Lord is the portion of mine inheritance and of my cup thou So, but notice the first thing he said, he said the Lord is the portion of my inheritance the Lord himself 
the Lord himself is. So anything we are singing, that's what we are singing. That lovers righteousness, that hated iniquity. You've got to understand that is already true of you too. I love righteousness. I hate wickedness. Therefore, God, even my God, has anointed me with the oil of gladness above my fellows. <laughs> when he died, it was our death. And of course, we died with him. When he was buried, he was our burial. And of course, we were buried with him. When he was raised, we were raised with him because it was our resurrection. When he sat down at the right hand, we also were made to sit down with him. So what is true of him? I, I know we have a song, I have life just as the father has. It's our song now. It's true of me, I have life. Just, just as, as the father has it. I have life. Just as the Father has it. Oh, yes. I have life. Just as the Father has it. <laughs> what is true of me is true of me. I have life. Just as the Father has it. Is true. What is true? What is true? Is true of me. I have life. Just as the Father has it. What is true? Just as the Father has it, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Sin has no power over me. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus.
Realities. <laughs> Thank you, Lord Jesus. There's a song I'm trying to remember. I'm remembering the latter part of it. For you have redeemed me and saved me now and forever. Jesus, you are my righteousness, my master and my king. In Jesus, you are my comforter, redeemer, and my friend. Oh, Jesus, you are my righteousness, my master, and my king. Oh, Jesus, you are my comforter, redeemer, and my friend. For this I will praise you, for this I will praise you. And lift your holy name. For this I will pray. For you are redeemed. And set me now and forever. Oh, for this I will pray. For this I will praise you. And lift your holy name. For you have redeemed me, Lord. For you have redeemed me. And set me now and forever. Oh. Jesus, you are my righteousness, my master, and my king. Oh, Jesus, you are my comforter, redeemer, and my friend. Hey, Jesus, you are my righteousness, yeah. my master, and my king. Oh, Jesus, you are my comforter, oh, redeemer, and Lift your voice and for this I will pray. For you have redeemed me, Lord. For you you praise it. For this I will praise you, Lord. For this I will praise you. And I will lift your holy name. For you have redeemed me, Lord. And save me now and forever. Oh, Jesus, you are my righteousness, my master, and my king. Oh, Jesus, you are my comforter, redeemer, and my friend. Do you want to rejoice, somebody? Jesus. Try and sit down reverently. Your spirit is being strengthened. Your spirit is taking the victory stand. Yeah. Glory to God. So that's a practical demonstration of how to minister to the Lord. That's how to minister to the Lord. Just sing unto the Lord. So you see, so we minister to the Lord. We sing songs to the Lord. 
and sometimes it leads us to even chanting psalms to him. So, you know, speak, tell of his wondrous works. You know, when, when they received the Holy Ghost in the book of Acts, chapter 2, the people heard them speaking of the wondrous works of God. Because the Holy Ghost will lead you to worship the Lord Jesus. Because it will lead you to worship Jesus in a way that you never could on your own. Never possibly by yourself. The way the Holy Ghost leads you to worship Jesus, you, poss- you can't possibly worship. Because you don't know him like the Holy Ghost knows him. Because that's his primary job. He is the revealer. The Spirit of God is the revealer of God. He, he opens us to the revelation of God in Christ. That's why Jesus left us in his care. He said, I have things that I want to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. John 16, 12, 13. Do you see? He said, but when he, the spirit of truth, is come, he shall guide you into all truth. He will take of mine and show it unto you. So you see, so he's the revealer. You understand that? Jesus is God's revelation. The Holy Ghost brings us that revelation in Christ. Are you getting that? And so he, he helps us to worship the Father in a way that we couldn't possibly worship him on our own. So you see, the, the emphasis that we've made a, a lot in this teaching series has been on a strong spirit. It's been on having a strong spirit. And we've just demonstrated one of the major ways to strengthen our spirits. Do you understand that? And you know, when I did that teaching on how to develop a strong spirit, or developing a strong spirit, I, I mentioned to you signs of a weak spirit is that it doesn't respond to God well. Either it's slow to respond, doesn't respond at all, okay? But a strong spirit responds. When your spirit is strong, it's, it will be sharp. It can easily pick what God is saying, okay? And that's why when you minister to the Lord, your spirit is so strengthened and open to God so that even the motions, like I told you about, divine communication, it lives inside of you. So sometimes because you're very close to someone, you live together, you know each other so well, sometimes you want to speak to them, you sign to them, you make a sign, you don't even make you sounds. And that's why those spirit impressions, they are always there. Spirit impressions are the most common in divine communication. But you need to be really sharp to pick them. There are always impressions of the of the spirit of God. You know, it's making impressions. But a weak spirit can pick those signals. Makes impressions. So you sometimes I perceive, I perceive, I perceive, I perceive. Paul said, I perceive that this voyage will be with great danger, not only to the ship, but even to our lives. He didn't hear an audible voice. God didn't say anything. God really didn't have to say anything. Because the man has a sharp spirit. So he could pick impressions in the spirit that. I perceive. So when he said I perceive, it wasn't as though he was making it up in his head. He was picking the impressions of the spirit. Because oftentimes the Holy Ghost doesn't have to use sound to communicate certain things. Because we are that close. So it makes, as it were, signs, signals to us. So when our spirits are not strong, they can't really be sensitive to those signals of the spirit of God. Are you seeing this now? Just the same way you get spirit impressions for good things, you can get spirit impressions as warnings against bad things. Because God always comes ahead of Satan. So he will come ahead and prompt your spirit man, and then you begin to pray. You know, I'll tell you this. Anytime you wake up at night, 
And so, you know, there are times it wasn't because you were dreaming. Sometimes you just wake up. Not necessarily that you were able to start to. You just, just find yourself awake. All right? And you can't really tell why. Anytime that happens to you, don't just go back and sleep. Spend some time praying the Holy Ghost a little bit. All right? Because the truth is, you need to understand that God has a habit of waking people up. So you should learn that. God has a habit of waking people up. And there's, you see, don't, don't get mystical about it. One of the reasons is because that night time is usually a very quiet time when you are focused. Because most of the people that distract you are already asleep. Because some of you, if he tries to wake you up during the day, all your friends will not let you hear that God is talking. So sometimes the reason why God does it is because that's the most focused time that you can have with him sometimes. So he just comes, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean a tap. And there are times you feel a tap sometimes, actually. But sometimes you just see yourself, you're awake like that, suddenly in the middle of the night. Don't waste the opportunity. Don't use that time to go and watch highlights of premiership games played today. I'm not sure you should because I... So, but don't use that time to wake up and then you're checking highlights of football matches or you go... And then you are checking the news, TV stations, CNN, BBC. You wasted the moment. That's not the moment to be checking highlight or go on Instagram and be scrolling and scrolling. No. Take that time. Just pray in the Holy Ghost. Because you're already awake. So you might as well take the opportunity and just receive information from the Lord. Those are moments where things that sometimes could never have crossed your mind by yourself will enter your spirit. Don't miss those chances, those opportunities. They always come. They will even come to you tonight. Yeah. That's why a believer shouldn't be somebody living in fear. Because when they wake up at night like this, they say, hey, what is this thing that woke me up at this time? Eh? Please, I beg, I want to sleep. Don't be so fearful that you can't even stand up to pray at night. Because I'm like, if they wake up and nobody else is awake, they say, well, let me just sleep like others. And But the Bible says, let us not sleep as do others. That's <laughs> Thessalonians 5. That's what I'm saying now. Because there are opportunities. There are opportunities. But I tell you, something has happened to your spirit this evening. So notice what I told you before we started ministering to the Lord. Hunger came at the new birth. But you have to manage it. Did you see that we just proved it now? that Because we did some things, ministering to the Lord, and see how it has affected our spirit. So when you leave service today now, don't now go and expose yourself to things that will put your hunger back to sleep. Huh? So don't go now and get into all kinds of arguments. Squabbles and quarrels and... You know, blah, 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 blah. see, as you are doing all those arguments like this, blah, 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 it's all the strength you're receiving, just drop in small small. And then that's why you feel down when you get into all those kind of needless. Because the devil is waiting for you outside this service. The devil doesn't like strength. But when there's strength, he knows he can't really succeed with you. He loves people to be weak. So he, he devises means to weaken you. You should be very conversant with those kind of things and avoid them. Avoid whatever weakens your spirit. Avoid it. That's just the wisdom. Avoid things that weaken your spirit. Don't, don't allow yourself to get into things that weaken. I'll just give you an example. Unnecessary quarrels weaken your spirit. Just 
you realize that when you're arguing with people, you are exerting physical energy, but you think it's only physical energy that is going. Spiritual energy is also going. After you won the argument, you now sit down. Aha! I'm the champion. Flesh is the champion. Spirit is now looking dense. So when they say, let's pray, I want to pray. Uh, you can't be winning arguments everywhere and still have a prayer life. <laughs> but you try to let things go and see how free and light your spirit will be when it's time to pray. Yeah. Yeah? You know, sometimes God, some of you, as you are growing, God will begin to ask you to drop certain things. Hmm? Drop those things. So tell your neighbor, say, drop it, drop it, drop it, drop it. <laughs> Glory to Jesus. You know, I, I will say a few things tonight and then we'll pray and close. Listen, I've talked about foolishness, faith, and presumption. Some of you, God has healed you, but you probably feel it's a demonstration of your faith and your confidence in your healing to go and start eating or drinking things that cause the sickness. That one is stupidity. Anything that is going to trigger a disease or a sickness in your life, drop it. It's part of working in your health and your wholeness. You are not proving your healing by exposing yourself to something that will trigger the sickness again. Yes, that one is not how to prove that you are healed. The proof of healing is that you stay healed. Because that one now, you are going to tempt the Lord your God. Except if it is food that is supposed to be normally healthy. But when you go back to start taking things that even people who didn't have that sickness, they don't take it normally. And I say, you want to take this thing to show the devil that I will drink whatever I like because the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. That's not how healing works. That's how I've always told you. You see, science and faith are not working against each other. Whatever scientists discover is because God put it there in the first place. And God put it there for our good. You see, sometimes those are some of the things that we'll get to that when we continue in our 30 reasons why healing is God's will. You'll be amazed that some of the things God puts in nature by themselves, they prove the willingness of God for you to live a healthy life. Because there are still many things that science has not discovered yet. Yeah? Even how about medicine? So you see how they combine leaves and all those things. And there are certain leaves they will bring out and tell you, this leaf can cure several diseases. Leaf that God created. So it means in creation, God already programmed healing. Even in creation, God programmed healing in creation. A God that programmed healing inside creation, how can healing not be his will? (laughs) If you go to places like China, People live as long as 100, 100 plus. And when you go to those when you go to those people, they feed on natural things. Although they don't believe in God. You go to India, the same thing. You see those ones, they have different types of God. If you tell them, receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, they say, for what? He's the only way to God. They say, which of the gods? Some of them will not argue with you. They will accept the God, but they want to add him to the other gods they have. <laughs> I'm telling you, in, in India, yeah, uh, let's add it. They have a collection of gods, a catalog. <laughs> and in his goodness, even to such men, 
God has programmed healing into what they eat. Why would God give such benefits to people who don't believe in him? Because he's giving them, that's the long suffering of our God, his salvation. So at least if they keep eating those things that give them long life and health, God is giving them more time. Peradventure, they will eventually believe in him. Sometimes when I hear some arguments of some folks and they say, hey, you don't need, you don't need to believe in God. To, I mean, things that unbelievers have, you cannot call it part of the benefits of salvation. That's stupidity. There are things that you unbelievers enjoy. Like Jesus said in Matthew 5, 45, that you may be children of your father. You see that he is kind to the just and the unjust. He causes his rain to come upon them. You know, Luke chapter 6, see the same thing. This is what I'm saying. Why is he doing that? Because he's baiting them. Peter calls it the long suffering of God. It is salvation. So they say, hey, unbelievers live longer. It's so that they don't go to hell. And I was like, if he goes to hell at the end of his life, that he has himself to blame. You had 100 plus years and you still didn't accept Jesus Christ as God as Tietanier. Pow. <laughs> Tell you. He don't finish with that. Ah, that you use a whole over 100 years, a century, and you see the accept Jesus as God and say, what do you do with your life? But it's to show you why healing is God. Because God needs you alive. For the man who is not just God needs him alive long enough to keep getting more opportunities to at least accept Jesus. The one who has accepted Jesus, God needs him alive to continue doing the work. Death is God's enemy. And sickness is an agent of death. Are you getting convinced? Now, it's a different thing that you know it, but conviction is another thing. You need to be convinced. Because one of the challenges is that a lot of Christians are not really convinced that God wants them to be healthy. Because if you still somewhere in your mind believe it's fine to be sick once in a while, you are not yet convinced. At any time where your body breaks down, it should be abnormal to you. It should be abnormal. No, no, it's all right. This is all right. We're going to have to change this. Sometimes you say, oh, I've worked too hard. I, I overstretched myself. Well, you shouldn't overstretch yourself. But if the devil is bringing that up as a reason for sickness to be in your body, you need to resist that devil. Tell the devil, yeah, I overstretched myself. I know that was unwise. I repent of that now. And I take my health back. So you say that, take your sickness and leave. And then you continue to live in wisdom. You don't sit down there and say, well, this one, I've, I've messed up already. I've overworked myself. I've overstretched myself. So, well, let's just leave it like that. Let it just go. No, don't just let it go. Repent right there and say, Lord, I'm not going to overstretch myself anymore. If you've been going back to eat, drink, or do things that cause you to be sick, and then the sickness is back in your body, repent immediately and make it turn. And kick that sickness out of your body. And then stay in wisdom zone. All right? Are you hear what I'm saying now? Now, write this down. You cannot enjoy health if you are not obedient to the Holy Ghost. You cannot enjoy divine health if you are not obedient to the Holy Ghost. You can't go around disobeying the leading of the Holy Spirit and still expect to live in divine health. You've got to listen to the voice of the Spirit of God. And listen to me, that's critical with respect to faith as well. It's impossible to live a life of faith when you are not following the leading of the Spirit. The Holy Ghost leads you in the will of God for your life. And faith begins where the will of God is known. 
So if you are disobeying the Holy Ghost, you cannot live in faith. You can't live by faith. And the same way you can't live a healthy life if you disobey the Holy Ghost. Are you guessing this? Thank you, Jesus. On Wednesday, I think I gave you five reasons, yeah? Some say, oh, that we spent all the time singing, singing. No, we're not singing. We're ministering to the Lord. Say, oh, but you did not spend enough time to teach us on healing today. Who will heal you? Is it not the Lord? (laughs) (laughs) There's some people, the agenda is bigger than the Holy Ghost. (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of these, Brother Akin, said the Lord, you know, told him and he prophesied about what God is, will be doing in the last days is God will be raising strong churches who, are, who know how to yield to the Holy Spirit. Local churches, strong local churches who know how to yield to the Holy Ghost, to flow with the Holy Ghost. It's very important. It's very, very important. It's one of the major qualities of a strong local church, being, being able to yield to the Spirit of God. If the Holy Ghost changes the agenda, so be it. And let me tell you one of the things that is, you don't apologize for what the Holy Ghost does. No. Once you do that, you spot the whole thing. Hmm? And I said, but we came here, we're hoping you would teach for two and a half hours. No. The one with the utterance say that's not what he wants. Should I use my brain to teach? No, no. I'll just do what he wants us to do. That's why we must have a local church that is, you know, filled with spirit-filled people. People who can tell without being, they don't need the explanation. They can tell that Holy Ghost has taken over this service. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? Some of you will not be looking and they are expecting that. Can't, can't that see my displeasure? No, your displeasure is too small. I couldn't notice it. <laughs> the pleasure we are giving God is so big, it's all over the room. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? I've said this even amongst two of us over the years. Because you can rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. And you plan all the songs you're going to sing. And then we get to the service and there is no room to sing the song again. Because the Holy Ghost has taken us in a new direction. You know, if you are not well taught and trained and you are not, you know, flowing with the Holy Ghost, you can sit there and be angry throughout that service and say, ah. So when they knew that we will not sing this song, why did they make us do all this rehearsal for all these days that we have been rehearsing? This all these things now, and they say, and so what do you say? But can't you see the Holy Ghost? Say, Did the Holy Ghost? Maybe they say it's all knowing. <laughs> Did he not know what he would do on the Saturday? He should have just, I mean, he should have saved us all this trouble. <laughs> <laughs> so this Holy Ghost that is wasting our time. No. <laughs> and usually when things like that happen, the time you spent in preparing for that thing that he didn't let you do. It's never a wasted time. Because he has used it to accomplish something else. Just know that. So the Holy Ghost is not a sadist, actually. So that you also don't feel like the Holy Ghost can just tell you to practice something for six months, but you will not use it. <laughs> That's also an extreme. <laughs> he will not use it for anything. <laughs> he just wants to test you. <laughs> if you look well, there is something you will use that thing to do. And yes, it will also be a test, of course, but it's not just a test. I mean, look at a meaningless test. How can we be tested? We don't even know what we are tested for. <laughs> it's not just testing you. What is now the result of this test? Is it negative or positive? No. There will be something. 
There will be something. There will be something. God is not a time waster. He said he hasn't called the house of Jacob to seek him in vain. So anytime you plan to do something and you prepare, prepare, and the Holy Ghost says, all right, I don't need to do that thing anymore right now. Don't just throw it away. You should begin to wait on the Lord and, and just have that expectation somewhere in your mind that somewhere at some point, the Lord will show me the purpose of that which I prepared for and eventually didn't get a chance to use. Have it in your heart. He will show you. He will always show you. Somebody needed an answer, okay? Because it's not part of my message. I just, I just flow with the Holy Ghost to see what I said. Amen? Amen. You know what? Ordinary can flow like that normally. You know, every time I want to be ordinary, I say, whoosh! <laughs> okay. Um. <laughs> I just don't know how to do all those kind of she says except if I want to now act. Okay, glory. Thanks, Lord. Mm. <laughs> Lord have mercy upon us. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> You know, you know, I love Ghanaian accent. So, <laughs> oh, Lord, have mercy upon us. <laughs> oh my God! You know, because I personally believe it's important for believers to learn how to flow in the things of the Spirit seamlessly. But a person who is not designed will not even know you switched. He will still probably think you are talking. They are just still doing the normal whatever. But you won't know you. you sweet. And I, I'm grateful to God because I see that this church has grown a lot. Years back, years back when I'm ministry and I switch into prophecy, I want to say that was a prophecy that people will not lose. <laughs> By that time, in fact, the wave of prophecy has almost left the door. It's a training. You got what I'm saying? That. But these days now, I mean, I mean, you get it literally like 100% of the time. Now, I will, I'll be truthful to you. There were points where sometimes I'm not actually because I'm already stood up. And somebody said, Oh, got me. So I'm going to talk. Come down. <laughs> Wait till I talk. Wait till I they lift hands like this. <laughs> okay, I drop your hands. See that, man. I'm going to finish my message. <laughs> You see, one of the things about getting it accurately with the things of the Spirit is don't be self-conscious. Because you cannot be self-conscious and be Spirit-led. It's not possible. Self-consciousness will take your attention from God and you will lose the flow of what the Holy Spirit is saying or doing. The, the perfect thing is just keep your focus on Him, that's all. And if He says nothing, then there's nothing. If you say something, then there's something. Then you say, and when you say something, just say it. There's no self-consciousness. Also makes you hesitant, and then you lose the boldness to say or do what the Holy Ghost is telling you to say or do. You know what I'm saying now? So, but we should be able to flow in things of God so seamlessly. Because imagine if you are in a boardroom, will you 
put up all those theatrics before you give a word. It can be in a meeting and people don't, everybody doesn't know what to do in the office. And then the, the utterance comes in your spirit. And I've told you the simple way to define utterance is a leading thought. That leading thought just strikes your heart like that. And then you just say, okay, what about, what about, whatever, whatever. And then, everybody, ah, I never thought of that. And they don't know that right there, what a wisdom just came. Now, if we do it like this, do it like this, we're going to get up. And then everybody did that way, and it worked. It is you in your heart that will know that this word of wisdom. I was telling the leaders this morning, and when those kind of things begin to happen in your life, be careful not to draw attention to yourself. It ruins the things of the spirit. Don't I want to go now gather the office next Monday and say, ah, by the way, what I did the other day is what they call word of wisdom. Wow. <laughs> Up now. Word of wisdom. Wow. <laughs> All right, it's sinking in now. <laughs> That's the revelation. Wow. <laughs> that was a wow moment. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> He said, I've never thought of that before. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, yeah, seamlessly like that. You know, the Bible didn't tell us that Paul shook, 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 shook. No wonder it was easy for the captain to even dismiss it. I perceive that this boy will be much danger and everything. So by the time they saw the trouble, he now stood up. In fact, the Bible says, after much abstinence, he kept himself back. So that, that describes Paul was such a simple guy in the manifestations of the Spirit. He held himself, he restrained himself for so long that eventually he stood up. What that means is that Paul was not too quick to say, Need I tell you, this is the Spirit. <laughs> So it means he also, he was patient enough to give time to also even prove that, well, could this be? And when it was too clear, Paul stood and said, well, because of course the angel of the Lord had appeared to him and even spoken to him. Can you imagine that? So he stood and said, you guys should have listened to me and you wouldn't have suffered this loss. So, but be of good cheer. So because you see, at midnight, the angel of the Lord who I serve and whose I am appeared to me and said that there shall be no loss of life. And he said, so it's, it's, mm, mm, you know, see the simplicity. So that's why when they got to the island, everybody like this is the master here. Now. And of course, you know, the, the, the viper came. Viper is a snake, it's like, you know, came and bam. And the Bible says some people, you people are very wicked though. You know, and they began to see all that kinds of things and say, this guy is such a devilish guy. Having escaped the danger on the sea, that evil shall follow him to this place. <laughs> he will shall kill him. But I'm sure some of them would have said, no wonder you are the one that caused all the, the problem we had on the sea. So God don't cast you now. God has now single-handedly and he has isolated you from the pack so that he can punish you. Oh, but glory to God. Paul was never bothered by their praises 
So their criticism and their accusations or whatever condemnation couldn't affect it. Bible says he shook the beast into the fire. The same people immediately. This man is a great man. <laughs> the same people. See the way they switched. That's how when God begins to do great things through you, be careful. Be careful. Because at that point, you'll be very vulnerable to the praises of men. And by the time they slam you, it'll be very painful. The glory is always to God. And the fact that God can do one miracle through your hand means he can do many more. So don't camp around one miracle and try to publicize to the world. And then bring all the cameramen, bring everything. You know, get proof, all kinds of proof. And so now we have all the evidence. Let the whole world know, I am already a miracle worker. Don't do that. There are still many more miracles that God will do. Somebody say, these hands of mine, hands of mine will rot wonders. wonders. See, just as he did with Paul, the Lord will rot special miracles through my hands in the name of Jesus. Say loud amen, somebody. I say, so, number six, because sickness is a work of the devil, that's the reason why, number six, reason why healing is God's with Job 2, verse 4 to 7, and Satan answered the Lord and says, skin for skin, yea, all that a man has will he give for his life. But put forth thine hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will curse thee to thy face. The Lord said unto Satan, Behold, he is in thine hand, but save his life. So went Satan forth from the presence of the Lord and smote Job with sore boils from the sole of his foot unto his crown. Who put the, bo- the, sore, the, the sores there? The boils there. Satan did. Psalm 41, verse 8. An evil, not divine disease, notice this, say they, cleaveth fast unto him and now that he light he shall rise up no more evil is notice here, he said an evil disease it is a divine disease an evil disease evil is, is, is representative of Satan not of God remember James 1 7 he says all good gifts 17 I beg your pardon all perfect gifts come from where from above from who the father of light in whom is no what very openness and shadow turning. In Luke 13, 16, Jesus was speaking about a woman who had been bound for 13 years, bent over, couldn't stand straight. And he said, and ought not this woman, being a daughter of Abraham, whom Jehovah had bound, whom who now? Satan, did you see? As what? Bound. Lo, for how long? These 18 years. See how the devil can get a person in bondage for so long? 18 years. The devil is wicked. 18 years. But Jesus loosed that in an instant. Now, I told you earlier on that the Holy Ghost is the power of God. And imagine that at the rapture, it will change our mortal body into immortal so fast that before you can blink, it has happened. That fast. Jesus is proving it here because it's the same Holy Ghost power he used to heal this woman. He, he unbound her, as it were. He loosed a, an 18-year bondage in an instant. And I told you, there is no healing as demanding as the rapture, the change of the body from mortality to immortality, from corruption to incorruption. Do you see what I'm saying now? Yeah, there's none. And that's to show you. So if the Holy Ghost will be able to quicken our mortal bodies from mort- mortality to immortality, there is no disease he cannot handle. And we see it in the ministry of Jesus that an 18-year bondage ended instantly. 
You know, the, the principal text we'll be using this is Wednesday, Luke chapter 5 from verse 12. The guy who was leprous. Right there, Jesus Christ, the man actually said, Lord, I know uh, that if you, if thou will, thou canst make me clean. And Jesus answered immediately without any ambiguity. I will be thou cleansed. You see that story again in Mark chapter 1. This is what I'm saying now. I will be thou cleansed. No arguments about it. And immediately, the Bible said, immediately. You know why? Because it was Holy Ghost power at work. It was Holy Ghost power at work. And the good news is the Holy Ghost power is at work in every believer. <laughs> Ephesians 3, 20, now unto him who is able to do exceeding abundantly and far above. I told you, exceeding abundantly is hupa ek perisos. Paul couldn't find any adjective sufficient. Even in the Greek, he combined two adjectives that mean the same thing in the superlative. And then that's why the English language was a utter confusion for them. You say exceeding abundantly and above. Those three words, look at them. Because they, you know that was none of those words can by itself on its own adequately express and describe it. So they had to combine three adjectives as it were. Exceedingly abundantly and if I saw say far above all that which we ask or imagine. So you say even our asking, our imagination, everything combined, this power at work in us can do more than it. You can't fathom it, actually. If I, let's read in the message translation. I like the message translation of it. Go to message, Ephesians 3.20. Message says, God can do anything, you know, far more than you could ever imagine or guess or request in your wildest dreams. What's your wildest dream? Think about it. What's your wildest dream? Where do you want to go? Imagine. Some of you even have dreams. <laughs> so where you're looking now. So let's start with what's your dream? For the wildest one. Yeah. You know, some of you, one of the things you must master in life is as you're growing older, don't lose your capacity to dream. Don't lose it. It's very important. Protect your capacity to dream. It's very important to protect your capacity. You know, that's why when you look at kids, kids dream a lot. Kids want to do things. You should ask a little child, what do you want? They begin to tell you all kinds of, you know, can we have this? Can we do this? I'm like, calm down, Joe. I saw that when my kids are saying some things, I have to renew my mind and say, listen to them, oh, because learn how to continue to dream. Because children dream a lot. Daddy, can we just, they don't care that it's Sunday. We're driving away from church, going home. And my daughter will say, Dad, are we going to the beach today? I say, ah. You know, you know, logic is working in my mind. I'm like, it's not, we can't be going to. I just, it's Sunday. I mean, you had a long day and everything. Sunday came. But for us, it, it should be able to happen now. Like, we can as well just live here now and get in the beach now. But me, I'm an adult. <laughs> I'm processing all things. You know what I'm saying? I said, no, we can't do that. You know, I just say, we are looking at an airport. Can we bring it to our house? Ah, no, it's for everybody. <laughs> What's your wildest dream? I don't know. When I was a kid, one of my wildest dreams was to have a house where there will be taps, and when you open the tap, one is for Fanta or Coke. <laughs> Did anyone of you ever dream like that? <laughs> That's one of my dreams, though. I'm telling you, just open it up like this. Fanta tap. Coke tap. 
he does it not by pushing us around, but by working within us. His spirit deeply and gently within us. So it means God can do the greatest things in a simple way. <laughs> Almost unnoticeable on an ordinary day. Bam, it's done. Are you seeing this? Because most of the miracles of Jesus healing people, like in this woman's case here, imagine 18-year bonding. No noise. No noise. He just said, woman, thou art loose from your infirmity. And she stood straight for the first time in 18 years. Just like that. No, no, no razzmatazz, no drama, nothing. And that's it. And truly, if you were there, you would have just wondered, you mean just like that? And I'm sure Jesus would have told you, well, just like that. Just like that. But the good news is that we don't need to wonder at such things. Because the, the healings of Jesus are not a wonder to the believer in whom Christ lives. They are an example to him. So when we're reading the miracles of Jesus in the Gospels, don't be seeing yourself as the one in need of the healing. All right, See yourself as the one doing the healing. Ministering the healing. Now you say, but dad, what if I'm in need of healing now? Yeah, take your healing but still see yourself as the one ministering it. Because truly, like Acts 20, Paul said, and you remember the words of our Lord Jesus, that it is more blessed to give than to receive. Because truly, it is impossible to give if you have not received. And you say, but that have I received healing? You have healing power. This time shall follow them that believe in my name, they shall cast out devils, they speak with new tongues. You see, they will lay hands upon the sick, and the sick will do what? Will recover. So we see that sickness is the work of the devil. In Acts 10 38, our God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. So notice he healed all that were oppressed of who? The devil. The devil was the one behind all their sicknesses. And it says that was because God was with him. In other words, God was on his side healing those who were oppressed of the devils, not God oppressing them. The devil oppressed them. Jesus healed them by the power of the Holy Ghost and God was on his side. Did you see that? The Father, the Son, the Spirit, they are all on the side of healing. The devil is the one that brings sickness did you see it to people? He's the, he's the one who walks sickness. God is not the one. Number seven, because of the covenant of healing. In Exodus 15, 26, and God said, If thou would diligently hearken to the voice of the Lord thy God, and will do that which is right in his sight, and will give here to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of his diseases on thee, which I have brought upon the Egyptians, for I am the Lord that healeth thee. So notice here, of course, if I explain that, God is not the one giving sickness to nobody. That was the way Moses recorded that. Right? So, he was establishing a covenant with them for generations to come. Let's read the previous verses. Two verses before that. That's verse 24 to 25. Thou shalt not bow down to their gods, nor serve them, nor do after their works, but thou shalt utterly overthrow them. Notice that. And quite break down their images, 25. And ye shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless thy bread and thy... I'm in Exodus 23 now, please. And thy water, and I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. So notice here in Exodus 23 as well, he's saying certain things, instructions before. He now tells them, don't serve these other gods, serve me. And I will do this to you. All right? 
establishing a covenant, did you see, with them. He says, you do this, I'll do that. A covenant is different from a promise. A promise is independent of who is going to benefit of it. But a covenant is not independent of who benefits it. A covenant has terms. And that's what we see in Exodus 15. That's what we see in Exodus 23. He's saying to them, you do this, 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 this. I will do so and so and so and so. You will see on Wednesday, and I'm closing now, how we saw in Deuteronomy chapter 28, the same thing. God had given them instructions. He said, if you go against these instructions, judgment is going to come upon you. As a result of that judgment, I'm giving you the right context now, the devil, of course, will have access to them. And one of the major things that Moses told them would be the consequence of their breaking of that covenant or the terms that God gave to them would be sickness. All right? And that will bring me to the next reason, which is number eight. All right? Because sickness is a curse. Sickness is a curse. It's a curse. Because sickness is a curse. C-U-R-S-E. Not cause of study. Somebody hearing what I'm saying? Sickness is a what? It's a curse. And we saw a lot of that on Wednesday. All right. Leviticus 26, 14 to 16. Deuteronomy 28 and verse 22. You know, in Leviticus 26, 14 to 16, it says, But if you will not hearken unto me, and will not do all these commandments, and if you shall despise my statutes, or if your soul abhor my judgment, so that you will not do all my commandments, but that ye break my covenant. Did you see that? He says, I also will do this unto you. I will even appoint over you terror, consumption. Now, that word consumption in the Hebrew actually is described as tuberculosis. Okay? And the burning egg that shall consume the eyes and cause sorrow of heart. And that's emotional problems. And ye shall sow your seed in vain, for your enemy shall eat it. Not you. <laughs> in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 22, he says, The Lord shall smite thee with a consumption. You see that consumption again? So don't be thinking of consumption as eating food. It's consumption as in something eating them. And with a fever. You see fever there? Huh? You see fever there? And with an inflammation, and with an extreme burning, and with the sword, and with blasting, and with mild dew, and, and they shall pursue thee unto thou, until thou perish. Skip to 27, to 20, 27 to 28. The Lord will smite thee with the botch of Egypt. You know, you say, it's got the botch. Whatever that is. And with the emeralds, and with the scab, and with the itch. So itches. You have itches all over your body. <laughs> oh God, he's not your friend. See, because anything you see here listed as part of the curse, it's still some of the, most of the sicknesses people are suffering today. You know, I'm particularly reading this to you to put sickness in its right perspective. You are not cursed, <laughs> so you don't you don't deserve any of these things. But some people just looking at sickness as if it's just there. This is this were the things they used to cost them. Why should you be carrying something that is used to cause people? You have been blessed. <laughs> With all spiritual blessings in heaven and places in Christ. Did you see this? And then he says, And with the scab and with the itch, whereof thou cannot be healed. He says, That thing will not just go. He said, The Lord shall smite thee with madness, insanity. 
You know, I said you, the way Moses, I don't know how Moses pastor though, because when I use jazz to tie people down, Moses, Moses, his pastoral ministry is amazing. Because Moses, you come for Moses' service, he will sprinkle blood on your cloth. And you will still come back next Sunday. <laughs> you will Saturday day. And you will still come back. Moses will sprinkle you, sprinkle everything. You know, Bible says he sprinkled the people with blood, sprinkled all kinds of things. And then after all, he will start teaching you curses. <laughs> Reminding them. Say, remember, if you don't, you know, a church of threats. That if you don't do this, see the things that God will smite you with madness. Echo, oh, oh, come on, mad me. You get what I'm saying? That's like people of this generation couldn't have gone to Moses' church. They say, mad though. Ah, they say, just they say, try that with the Moses lawyer. <laughs> they just they mad as they go so. <laughs> ah, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Can you see insanity? And blindness and astonishment of heart. Astonishment of heart is not a good thing. So don't look at all this. this if you go and read all of these things in the water translations, you'll be shocked. You will probably be astonished. <laughs> <laughs> put, put up the NLT. Just, just this version, verse 28. Put up the NLT. Okay, give me the message. Let's, let's see the message. So look at it. Said, God will hit you hard with the boys of Egypt. Hemorrhoids. Scabs and an incurable itch. Can I imagine somebody with an incurable itch? You don't be scratching his body all over the room. Can I imagine on the day when he's going to propose to his baby? As he bring out the ring like this. You can say, What happened? You say, I don't even know. <laughs> you never really wanted to give me this ring. Itch, incurable itch. He said, He'll make you go crazy and blind and senile. You grope around in the middle of the day like a blind person feeling his way through a lifetime of oh yeah, of darkness. You'd never get to where you're going. Yay. <laughs> not really. It's another day we go by that you're not abused and wrong, and no one's gonna help you. That's what that's what it means by astonishments of hearts. Like problems that they can't explain. Like, why is this happening? Why is it that everywhere they turn, this is happening to them? <laughs> now, are there people experiencing this in today's... Yes. Are people experiencing these things. In our world today, contemporary times, there are people going through these kind of things. Yeah, there are people like this. Amazing is all those people, when you talk to them about God, they, they, they try to, to rationalize and say, no, I'm just having, having a rough time. Rough, rough what? No, that's the work of a devil. Because all these things Moses is telling them, God is not the one who executes, Satan is. And that's why when he said they, when they break the covenant, to break the covenant that is go against God's word, puts people right in the hand of the devil. And the devil is merciless. See how the devil can do this to just a person and then do it a mass to an entire nation. Can you imagine that? But not me. I know you like saying that. Let's not look at other transitions. It's enough. Verse 33 to 35 says, The fruit of thy land and all thy labors shall a nation which thou knowest not eat of, and thou shalt be only oppressed and crushed away always, so that thou shalt be mad. For the sight of thine eyes, which thou shalt see, the Lord shall smite thee in the knees and in the legs with a sore botch that cannot be healed. 
from the sole of thy foot unto the top of thy head. See the curses like that. He goes to verse 59 to 61. Then the Lord will make thy plagues wonderful. <laughs> Some of you are already like 10 minutes. Can you imagine that? That's just 59. The Amplified Christ said, Then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary strokes and blows, great plagues of long continuance, and grievous sickness of long duration. You know why, like I told you on Wednesday, why I am reading this is because you need to put sickness in its right perspective. So, are you seeing now that it is not okay to have a long sickness? Long battle of illness. It's not okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Did you see that? Read to 61, verse 60. Moreover, it will bring upon you all the diseases of which you were afraid. Use of which we are afraid, and they shall cling to you. Also, every sickness and every affliction which is not written in the book of the law, the law will bring upon you until you are destroyed. He summarized when he was tired of naming names of sickness. He said, The ones that I have not written, just in case I forgot, and the ones that do not exist now, when they come, he said, Just know that I have already put them, I programmed them in this place. Just visualize. He said, I'm happy to be a Jew. Can you see now? Can you be really excited to be a Jew? <laughs> Now, when Paul now wrote in Galatians 3, 13, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, this is, these are the curses he's talking about. I know the us is the Jews. Do you see? But if he has redeemed the Jews from it, is it something we can lay hold of? Oh, yes. Because notice he didn't finish that statement that way in Galatians. He said that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles through faith. You see what I'm saying now? And so by faith, both the Jews by birth and those who are Gentiles who are now children of Abraham by faith, we have access to the same blessings. Do you understand that? So if God redeemed them from those curses, he has redeemed us from all the things in those curses. That's the point I'm making. I'll say it again. If God has redeemed the Jews from those curses, whatever is the content of those curses, we who believe in Jesus and have seed of Abraham have also been redeemed from them. We were not under that curse. But we know that you don't need to be under that curse to actually suffer some of those things. Like we said, there are people who are not Jews and they suffer these things. So, but since these things are part of the content of the curse from which Christ has redeemed the Jews, therefore, because we are also seed of Abraham and we have true faith in Christ Jesus, therefore, whatever is a part of the content of the curse that God redeemed the Jews from. God has redeemed us from it. So all these sicknesses are part of the content of this of that curse. Therefore, we can be safe to say that we are redeemed from all these things. We are redeemed from any sickness that Moses did not even write there. Plagues that are wonderful, we are redeemed from. Sores, itches, strokes, cancers, blindness, madness, depression, name it. We are redeemed from it. Somebody say, I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed. Say it again. Say, I am redeemed. I'm not under the curse. I'm not under the curse. Jesus has set me free. 
sickness and health, for poverty wealth, since Christ has ransomed me. Oh, I'm not under the curse, I'm not under the curse, since Jesus has set me free. For sickness and health, for poverty well, since Christ has ransomed. One more time. I'm so happy that I'm not under the curse. I'm not under the curse. Since Jesus has set me free. For sickness and health, for poverty well. Since Christ has ransomed me. Do you believe it? Yes, Somebody say, I'm not under the curse. Says Jesus has set me free. And I'm free indeed. You know, as we're closing tonight, I want you to know that. You know, he says that we are Abraham's seed. In Galatians 3.29, he said, If ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. Put hallelujah. I'm not under the curse. Know ye therefore that they which are faith, the same are what? The children of Abraham. And then verse 29, he says, If ye then be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed, and heirs according to the promise. Go to Romans 4.16 as well. Romans 4.16, therefore it is of faith that it might be by grace to the end. The promise, did you see, might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Now, did we see in scripture, in the life of Abraham, any of these diseases? No. None. The Bible never tells us that Abraham had any ailment or sickness. Because the Bible outrightly tells us that Abraham died in good old age. And was full of strength. No sickness. He lived long. He lived strong with nothing wrong. And so whatever Abraham enjoyed in that covenant, we are enjoying it as well. Because we are beneficiaries of that covenant. Are you hear what I'm saying? If your father made a covenant with somebody, you can benefit from it. So Abraham is our father. Father Abraham. Papa A.B. Abi from Lokoja. Is that where your ancestors are? My own ancestor is Abraham. That's my ancestor. He has good things to pass over. Not all those Yama Yama Egugu festival. Your ancestor is Egugu. <laughs> Sorry, that's your son name. I'm not insulting your son name. I'm just. <laughs> and I've told you, don't go and now change your son name and say, ah, yeah, this one and that say, good jobby. And I say, Jesus, jobby. Oh, Olua, jobby. <laughs> that really doesn't change anything. It's the consciousness in your spirit. You're a new man. Somebody say, I'm a new man. Let me tell you, as I was ministering tonight, God was quickening the healing anointing in you. Be conscious of it. A 
especially when we're ministering to the Lord. So be conscious that you can pray for the sick. Somebody hearing me? Some of you that have struggled with your health, that is a word of the Lord to you. Alright? That God not only has healed you, but the Lord is quickening you to lay hands on sick people. Look for them all around you, your neighborhood, your workplace. You have a colleague. Be bold to tell them, hey, would you mind me praying? Usually when people are down like that, they don't mind. They are open to a lot of things. So take that opportunity and say, do you mind me praying with you? I just want to lay hands on you. Or let's just join hands. I'm just going to lead you and pray with you. And God's going to heal you. And God will heal them. Are you hearing what I am saying? Glory to God. This message was brought to you from the Heritage of Faith Church. Our vision is raising stronger believers. For more impactful resources, visit our website at www.hofng.org. God bless you.